Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maggie Ulmer, and on today's episode, we bring to you Evangelism is for Everyone, Part 2. And today we just get into best practices and overcoming fear barriers. It's a great episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Welcome back to the Spirit and Truth podcast. We are back with Part 2 of our Evangelism conversation have Matt and Emma here. Tony had to go take care of some stuff today. So what's up, guys? Hey. What's up? (laughs) So in this episode, we're going to talk about um, the practical aspects of evangelism. Like literally, how do you do it? Yeah, or at least how do you get started? Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, really all we can cover when we do our awakening weekends we're really just trying to get people just to take a very first baby step of starting to have a spiritual conversation or really we'll we'll get into this um praying for people who don't go to their church Mm -hmm. which is just a way to get us outside of that little bubble and say maybe this isn't so scary if i start being open about my relationship with jesus with people who are not in my church bubble. Yep. So why don't we just start talking about that? I mean, we often talk about this session on the weekend as being among our favorites, if not yeah, the absolute the favorite. favorite. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's so fun because people, you every time we do it, you get to see people take a step of faith and try something that they have, most of them have never done in their life. Yeah. Which is just awesome to watch. I mean, that. how many times have we heard... 50, 60, 70 year old people say, I've never prayed out loud for someone before. Yeah. A stranger. Or some people have never prayed out loud, period. In general, right. Yeah. So let's talk, let's rewind just a touch and just remind people kind of um, last time, just to summarize, we talked about this overall shift of mindset moving from evangelism as something that the church accomplishes through a program or an attractional worship service to something that we're going to, we're trying to help people take personal responsibility that I, I, I want people to see themselves as missionaries planted by God in the spheres where they're already at. One of the things that we tell um, people at, at on our Awakening Weekends all the time is actually your church already has missionaries planted in every segment of society around here grocery stores, every kind of school banks thing, everything. Yeah. The, you have missionaries there already. They just don't act like missionaries. Right. And um, it, if you take even a small church and you look at all the spheres of influence that are represented by the people that go there, if we all started to live sort of outwardly for Christ and have real spiritual conversations intentionally with people in those spheres, gosh, there'd be evangelism happening everywhere. I think that um, this gets to the core of a lot of bigger conversations, but um, we talked a, a little bit about some of the shifts you were just mentioning. One of the shifts, too, that I think some people um, have to get over is this idea that your faith is not just for you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just a private thing for you. You know, God did something in you for it to be shared. And um, I think that's especially hard for certain generations as well, you know, where we've I mean, we have that people. um, What's that common phrase? Like we don't talk about religion or politics Mm -hmm. like that's just kind of like people have that. Now, I think it seems like 
at least in the last few years, we talk about po- politics plenty. <laughs> My guess. <laughs> but, you know, there's a certain, there's, there's some generations that I think are especially prone to this idea that religion, your faith, is a private thing. It's between you and God. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you talk about with other people. Um, which, okay, that's fine. That's just, that's just not in the scripture. <laughs> yeah, not scripturally supported at all. <laughs> right, and so the result of that has been that those same people gather together and say, well, how can we put this on someone else mm-hmm. or put this on, it's someone else's responsibility to evangelize. It has to be some designated team with a certain set of gifts that are extroverts and do all these things. They yeah. have to meet a certain um, kind of personality Her expectation profile, yeah. yeah, to be evangelists, which just isn't the case. Yeah. Go ahead. And and so we were talking just a little bit before this podcast and I was sharing, you know, I kind of had my own experience of this where even though I was a Christian already, I kind of walked away from the church a little bit because one of the phrases that we use a lot um, in this ministry is what you win them with is what you win them to. So when we try to designate to other people or um, get people to come to church because of a lunch or any other program, yeah, any other program, all the different shiny things that we try to or flashy lights. Yeah. Yeah. Really contemporary worship with all of these super emotional songs and stuff. If we're winning people with those things, we are not winning them to Jesus. We are winning them to the shiny thing. And so I, as a young person, got very frustrated because I got to a place where I was just like, man, I am so hungry for the real thing. And I thought that I was going to get it here. And I was so disappointed and hurt. And I had all of this resentment because I was like, we talk about Jesus, but where is he? Mm -hmm. Where is he in the midst of all of these things that you're using to attract and and uh, scheme people in, I just want him. And so it took even me as a Christian, someone who um, was walking ahead of me and walking beside me, who really just bore the fruit of the spirit. And I was like, okay, now I can see how when I look at these people who are really following Jesus and they are bearing the fruit of the spirit, that's what I want. That's what I'm after. And so it took that for me to walk alongside if I would have came to church again and not seen Jesus and not paid attention to where the spirit was, I would have been out. Yeah. 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 So basically we're, what we're proposing is gimmick free Christianity. Yay. (laughs) We're pretty hardcore about this. No gimmicks, (laughs) just Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of this, I, I do want to say before we, we get into the practical stuff, Part of this shift is you have to be okay with less instant results. Yeah. Like part of why I think we've been so obsessed with these church growth methods that are trying to attract big crowds is because it's just like gives us instant gratification Mm -hmm. as church folks. It's like, look at all, we did this. We did this community thing. You know, we had an Easter egg hunt and 3000 people came. Well, like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, there's a lot of those things that I'm like, nothing bad necessarily about it. But when that's the whole substance of what you're offering, those people, um, they'll just disappear just as quick as they came. That's what what we saw in COVID. You know, you stop having church for a little while 
or you know things move online all of a sudden because really all they're doing is consuming a product they realize they don't really need that anymore they're getting along fine without it 60 percent of your people just up and leave they just leave because they weren't there because they were deeply devoted to jesus in the first place they were there because they were consuming the attractional products that you're producing for them yeah they're really you know it's just religious i always talk about this polite exchange of religious goods and services and when people recognize actually i think i don't really know if i need that anymore or is that really even doing anything for me then they leave just as quick as they came and so part of this shift that we're talking about is saying we're going to be more patient and we're going to, we want to invest in disciples who are going to make disciples. And part of that means we're, the, these disciples grow enough that they're willing to actually share about Jesus life on life in the places where they have relationships already. And yeah. when we start to live like that, collectively over time, guess what? The church will grow. Mm-hmm. If we're all acting as everyday missionaries where we're planted, we will reach new people, but it will be in ways that are actually sustainable, and it'll be in ways where we're actually winning people to Jesus, not to some gimmick that the church is offering. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I feel like that leads us pretty well yeah. to the part that everybody's sweating over, which is like... What do we do? How do I do it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let me just walk us through what we do on a weekend as kind of a first step, mm-hmm. okay? This is a first baby step. It's a first baby step. So after giving people just sort of some of the vision that we've already discussed, trying to encourage them of why they need to take personal faith sharing seriously, then we do something called a prayer outreach. And uh, our goal is not that people will always do this organized prayer outreach like like what we do with them, but really our goal is to help them overcome some fear barriers and to recognize what is possible if they start to listen to the voice of the Spirit and pay attention to the opportunities that God's giving them in their everyday living. And so um, the activity that we do, which I'm going to describe, is really a training tool to help people say, you know what, I guess I could, maybe I could do this when I'm at work. Maybe I could do this when I'm at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So here's what we do, and this is what freaks people out, and I think it's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Always. So we, we do this, uh, you know, I talk them through this, how much we need to be, make this shift, and we all have to be evangelists and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> it's not blah, blah, blah. It's great, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we get, and oh so like gosh. everyone's like agreeing, like, yeah, 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 I think I agree with you. And then I'm like, okay, well, now we're going to stop talking. And we're going to go out in the community and actually talk to people and pray for them. And then people start looking for the exits. Oh, yeah. And people start squirming and their faces change. And it's it's so much fun. And they go from loving you to loathing yeah. you. <laughs> so um, now we're not the only people that do this. I mean, there's other ministries that do these kind of things. But what we've done is we just make it very simple. We're not, we're not even... Because most of the people in our churches are just literally starting from scratch on this stuff. Yeah. We're not trying to teach them a method about how to certain verses, how to share the gospel. We're not trying to like give them tracks that they work through. We're not trying to do anything like that. We're just trying to create opportunities where they can have spiritual conversations with people outside the church because most of them have never done that before. So uh, we give them these basic instructions. You're going to split into groups of three or four people. 
you are going to get into your group and you're going to pray briefly and ask the Lord for um, direction on where you could go as a group to try to offer to pray for people. And then we're not going to overthink it. We're going to um, we're going to listen for the Spirit. And we've already been often in weekends talked about this aspect of the Christian life, learning to discern the Spirit's voice and how we do that. And then, so when you pray, if someone feels nudged to go to a park, then just go go to a park. If mm-hmm. it's to go to the grocery store, then go to the grocery store. And then uh, as we go into the place where we, since the Lord was leading us, we're just going to go with um, continual prayer and then open eyes saying, God, who is it that, that you're kind of leading us to? Who could I offer to pray for? And then uh, we encourage them to just to split into pairs or um, kind of depends on the situation. If it's just a single person sitting on a park bench, we don't have all four of them go up to that single person, you know, just basic human stuff. But we we just approach someone and we just say something very basic. Like this is the example we usually give them. Hey, uh, this may be kind of strange, but we're out with uh, a small group from our, our church just offering to pray for people today. How could I pray for you? That's the only question we ask them, you know, Ask this one question, how can I pray for you? And what we found, um, and I was introduced uh, to that question in a practical way from another ministry that um, that, that does this kind of evangelism, is um, that one question can lead to all kinds of conversation, and we've seen all kinds of things come out of that. I mean, there's sometimes you'll ask that one question, I can't even count how many times, I've had instant tears just yeah. from that one question. Absolutely. Because someone has something just under the surface that they're, you know, freaking out about, they're anxious about, that they're worried, or a family situation, or brokenness, or who knows what. You know, I mean, gosh, just this, uh, on this last time we were in a church, um, I'm trying, I'm surveying in my head different things that people shared that, that people out on the streets had shared with them, cancer, di- recent cancer di- diagnoses, yeah. uh, broken marriages, family issues, all kinds of stuff. And um, and you're, you'll be surprised at how much people are often willing to open up and share, and they don't even know you. They've yeah. literally just met you. You've just asked them kind of a weird question for most people, and yet... And a lot of times, nine times out of ten, most people will take you up on the offer to pray. Yep. And we also tell people, look, you know, you don't have to be super dramatic about it. It doesn't have to be. Uh, what's the thing you always say? It's not like it's not like uh, God hears more the more yeah. words you use. Yeah, God you doesn't know? answer based on word count. Wor- duh, right. God doesn't answer based on word count. Um simple is fine short is fine and also you don't have to over spiritualize the process by like i mean i've i've done this kind of stuff before even before spirit and truth and i i always pray with my eyes open sure you don't have to like make it obvious to everyone around you that okay a little prayer circle is happening you can just stand there and be normal and pray and um you know there's lots of common sense stuff like if you're going to a store buy something instead of walking around like a strange person making all the people in the security room get nervous you know um and if people are mowing their lawns don't try to interrupt them and be like hey excuse me 
Right. You know. Yeah, we encourage people just use common sense, mm-hmm. be a decent human, mm-hmm. and like, um, you don't have to be a weirdo. Just, but you can very naturally just say, you know, you go into the um, ice cream shop and you buy an ice cream cone, and as you're checking out, you say, "Hey, before I leave, uh, how can I pray for you?" Yeah, I mean, I've so just to m- make it even more specific. I have done this before in the grocery store and I will usually, for me, grocery stores are really easy to talk to people because there's just like a billion opportunities to ask questions of someone or to just comment on something, you know, and, um, you know, that go, that could go something like this. Like a real life example is I was like standing in the salad, you know, where they have the prepped salad things and I was buying lunch for for the coming week or something like that. And I didn't see what I wanted. And my real life need was, I want the salad that I like, <laughs> the Asian mix salad. So I was asking the person, um, you know, do you guys have any more of the Asian salad kit? And she said, no, I think we're out, but I can check in the back if you want. And and um, I wasn't particularly invested in it, but right away I could tell that something was wrong with her. And I just said, I don't mean to pry, but are you okay? Because just the way she answered the question was like, really? And she said, well, I'm not having the best day. And I said, well, what's going on? You know, and she just, you know, obviously I'm a stranger. She didn't want to share a ton of stuff. And I said, well, I said, "Um, would it be okay um, if I could just pray for you? Because you seem sad. Now, that's not the same as the question. How can I pray for you? But sometimes I feel like if you have a relational dynamic that's sort of sure. being built, you can sort of just go with the flow. And and she did, instant tears. And she said, yes, and actually, here's what's going on. And mm-hmm. so I was able to pray for her. And um, But I think just part of this is just being aware of your surroundings yeah. and being aware as a human being that, you know, people are universes unto themselves. You just have no idea the things that are going on inside of people. And as Christians, we have the opportunity to love people and take the comfort and love of Christ with us everywhere. That's right. It's super easy to do. So, you know, I guess um, part of the point of this particular exercise, so we have, let me finish kind of describing the rest of it, but basically, so we'll have people um, go out in these prayer teams and then we encourage them, hey, if this sometimes this question leads to more conversation, mm. be prepared to just engage in conversation. If this person's like, "Why? Why are you doing this?" Then that's an open door to talk about that you have, you know, Jesus has changed your life, and you just yeah. want to bless other people or whatever. Be prepared to share your testimony and to engage people in spiritual dialogue. Uh, we've had people then end up in conversation about church things and um, people asking, well, what church are you from? Because I'd like to oh, yeah. check this out because I've never seen this before. Stuff like that. I mean, you just it can go in a lot of different directions. But really the point of the exercise is to help these normal church folks overcome this fear barrier to recognize, you know what, I can actually bring up spiritual things with someone who doesn't go to my church and nothing bad is going to happen. Like yeah. they didn't spit on me. I'm still alive. In fact, they were really wanted to prayer. Mm -hmm. People are usually surprised with how eager people are Mm -hmm. for this. And it starts to change their mindset that, you know what? Maybe God can use me 
in this way in my normal life. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in particular there was a there was a guy at our last outreach who Oh yeah. You know, just just a good guy, you know, um probably been a part of the church for quite some time. I don't know his exact age, but I would guess he's late sixties, mid seventies, somewhere in there. Probably in I would guess seventies. And um he was very clear that he did not want to do this. You <laughs> he know? was not excited. He was very uh he wasn't a f- bashful about sharing that he was uneasy with this and he wasn't mean at all. He just was like honest that mm-hmm. this is not my kind of thing. I've- yeah. In fact, he said, you guys are the ministry of spirit and truth. So I just wanted to be truthful with you. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. But you know, he came back. And so at the end of, so we'll give people an hour, hour and a half to go out in their teams. They pray about where to go. Let the spirit lead them go offer to pray for people, see what happens in the conversation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, sometimes they may have one encounter with a person that lasts the whole time. Sometimes they may get to pray for five or six different people or whatever. They come back after an hour, hour and a half, and then we debrief. Mm-hmm. You know, what What did you learn? How did it go? Um, what was that experience like for you? You know, tell, tell us about, was it... Um, was it harder or easier than what you thought? You know, all these kind of things. And so we're sharing testimonies about that. And this gentleman who was very adamant about his uh, feelings about the whole exercise, when he came back, he stood up and shared with a group. And he shared that the very first person that he offered to pray for um, declined, which does happen sometimes. And what we encourage people, look, if someone says, no, I don't want prayer, or even if they're more adamant, like I've had people, you know, I'm an atheist, I don't need your prayer, kind of a thing. Well, you don't have, there's nothing, no yeah. bad comes. You just say, okay, oh, okay, no problem. Well, have a great day, you know? There's like literally nothing, nothing bad happens at that point. And so he had one person who declined him, and he, but to his credit, as much as he didn't want to do it to begin with, mm. he he tried again. And he ended up praying for a whole series of people in a um, gardening tent in the parking lot of a store. Like a hardware store or yeah. something? Yeah, and they were there selling yeah. plants and things. And he got choked up when he was talking about the different people and their situations that they had shared yeah. with him. He said, yeah. I've never met these people. And he talked about, he gave the name, this person and their cancer diagnosis, this person and their situation. And he went down, he had written down, the, the people and their situations of all these people that had he had gotten to pray with. And you could tell um, just how it touched him yeah. to have the opportunity to pray for these folks, just random people out in the community who obviously had real prayer needs and they were willing, so, so willing just to share it. And when you have that in kind of encounter with people, it changes the way that you look at the people around you on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about doing this exercise with people in churches is that instead of them thinking about people as sort of like, how can we just grow the crowd at our church? It's like you start to see them as individuals. Part of when you're asking how you can pray, you're, you're recognizing this is a real person with a real story, with real problems who God loves, yeah, you know? And you start to see them not as a project, mm-hmm. but as someone that Jesus died for and that I can in some way 
try to embody the love of the Father for this person that God has allowed to cross my path. And when you start to live like that on a daily basis, the possibilities are endless. I mean, we have so many evangelism opportunities in our lives that we never take advantage of because we are either so busy or we're so afraid yeah. of what may happen. So speaking of um, busy and afraid, <laughs> I feel like um, one of the things that we talked about in the previous episode of the evangelism topic um, was evangelizing next generation people. And um, we get this question a lot. This tends to be one of our sidebar conversations, which is, you know, people often say, okay, praying with people out in the community is one thing, but this, many people in older generations look at the current sort of um, up and coming young adults and they feel very, um, they feel very different from each other. I've had this conversation many, many times with um, people who are a little bit older than me. So I'm technically, I'm Gen X, but so people in the generation before me, which is uh, the boomer generation, will often say, I just don't know how to relate to to people who are in their late teens, early 20s right now. They just seem like so foreign to me and they just seem uninterested or like they don't like older people or, you know, whatever. Well, Emma loves older people. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, so there is, a, I think, a fear of rejection there. And I think there's confusion about how to approach relationship and conversation. So let's talk a little bit about that now. Because we get that conversation a lot. You have any thoughts, Emma? Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, I completely understand that um, almost like foreign territory feeling where it's like, man, the things that I value and what I was raised in and my beliefs, they're so like core to who I am. And it's just not the case for the generations that are being raised up right now. So how do I relate? How do I, you know, kind of look past sometimes the things that are externally there? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, what do you do? And the first thing that comes to mind for me is always begin with questions mm. not as a means by which you can like make someone trip up on themselves but just genuine questions like to get to know them yeah you know they are they're they're people and um i think it's within that relationship that there can be an established trust so that they open themselves up to then ask questions because more than anything i think kind of like the closed off um, the aversion to religion is underneath all of that is actually just questions that nobody has ever been able to answer or they've never really gotten an opportunity to ask. So that's my, my first thought. Yeah. Matt? Yeah, I think that's good. I do think the relationship aspect is really important. Um, and that's not just with young people. I mean, no, no. I think, um, you know, the random, praying for random people on the street is awesome. What's even better is if that can remove some fear barriers so that the person in the cubicle next to you at work, who you actually have a relationship with, mm -hmm. you can start to get up the, the nerve when you can see that they're struggling or having a bad day and say, hey, I know I've never said this before, but um, 
I've never offered this, but can I pray for you? Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like you're just having a tough time right now, and I'd love to pray for you. And then, and then you're going to see them again the next day, mm-hmm. yeah. and they see you don't run away, or you know that you're, yeah, you know, you're still just loving them where they are, and they maybe they share something that's vulnerable with you, and you don't freak out on them or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I do think the context of a relationship is ideal for any kind of evangelism, and I also think. Um, when it comes to younger people, part of my conviction is that older people think that younger people don't like them or don't want to be in a relationship, and that's just not true. Yeah. No. Most of the younger people that I know, when someone older gives them l- honest, loving attention, they actually enjoy that. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I don't mean that in a weird way, but like... No, but they flourish under it. Yeah. A like lot when of someone like pays attention to them mm-hmm. and actually talks, you know ask them even if even if it feels awkward at first and they may not know how to react at first because it's new to them you know what i mean <laughs> like why, why is this person talking to me they're asking me okay yeah so can i intervene right there sure so a part of this has to do with the growing amount of broken families mm. many gen z kids slash adults do not have parents who have ever told them the gospel, asked them about their spiritual lives, asked them about their lives in general. And so when people from the church, older generations from the church, parents, grandparents in the faith, approach and start asking questions and start, you know, trying to really be invested. I mean, I can speak for myself. It's terrifying because it's so much more vulnerable than anything that you have ever uh, that I had ever experienced before and I love the way that you described that and you actually kind of touched on this earlier when you said we start to not look at people like projects Mm -hmm. but just as children of God and that is so important that relational context of this person isn't trying to work on me to feel better about themselves or Uh, You know, they're not just asking these questions with those motives, but they're actually asking just because they love God and they want me to know the love of God. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I was just curious about what you were saying, Emma, um, because I'm a statistics nerd sometimes. And apparently I'm looking at a Pew Research Center. um, It says Gen Zers are far more likely to have been raised in a single parent household than nearly one quarter of U.S. children living in single parent have rate higher than any other country. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Like, we've had so much cultural flux in this country over the last couple generations, and that has really come to bear in some of the generations coming up now. And so there's a lot of instability. And when... Now, interestingly, the baby boomers generation is known for their divorce rates, actually. They have yeah. the highest rate of divorce yeah. of all the current generations. But um, they were probably raised by people who did not get divorced, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that sort of... Anyway, there's this interesting sort of idea of um, how things should be. And we've talked about this a little bit just in terms of the perspectives on evangelism itself, like, and the way the church functions in the last podcast episode we did on this. So all that to say, there's a lot that has been left unexplained, 
yeah and untaught and older generations who have an experience of family life and even the culture of this country and even what how church functions um we have a very different experiences than people who were born in the late 90s early 2000s and um yeah it's, it's just kind of interesting to think about how to speak um into that and i think we often overcomplicate it honestly yeah yeah i agree i i also think that um some older generations one of the things that turns off younger generations is that their worldview their christian worldview yeah. so quickly jumps to like political things yeah or um you know whatever variety of sin issues that they're passionate about at the moment and it's just it's i understand why it does and like they're you know, the, uh, different generations think about things differently as far as it tend to be, you know, older generations tend to have a little bit um, more black and white view of right and wrong and things like that. And and what I'm saying now is not a, it's not a statement on any kind of morality or, you know, biblical wisdom or anything like that. Just to say that we need to be, I think, careful in how we just initiate conversation. Yeah. And, um, and we don't major on minor things mm. t- to the exclusion of even being able to have a relationship where we'd even have the opportunity to ever speak into those yeah. diffi- difficult topics. Like we don't even get a chance to get there because we lead with stuff that's just shuts down the conversation before it ever gets started. Right. So I imagine that some of the things that you're referencing are sexuality, um, politics, politics, yeah. topics like that. And, I, that's such a good thing to bring up because those type of things are all behavioral or if they are about belief, it is the result of other beliefs that they have. So there is a root belief about who God is, who we are, and what is this world. And that's kind of, that forms our worldview. Right. Those are the things that have to be worked out before you deal with Mm -hmm. why are you dressing this way why are you kissing this person why are you doing these things all of those things are behavioral they're fruit of what is at the root which is do i know god do Mm -hmm. i know his love do i understand his character how does he view me how does he view my neighbor how does he view this world we have to start with all of these type of things which happens in a context of safe relationship where one person is just asking another person, what's going on in your life? Have you ever known God? Like, you just have to start very, all the way back at the beginning to, to do this type of work yeah. to, for, the, for the long haul. Yeah, I would also say that um, what's interesting is that, uh, shoot, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so many <laughs> things going at one time, it just went straight out. Anyway, well, I thought of one thing, which is, you know, we're talking about your. So you go to a coffee shop, you go to the grocery store, you you pray with a person. How do you continue that? Then, oftentimes we we tell people when we go on awakening weekends, you know, like our team, we're just here for four or five days, but you guys live here. You go to this grocery store every week. You go to these coffee shops every day. I mean, you have the opportunity to not make this just a one-day 
oh, this is the day that I evangelize type of thing. You have the opportunity to learn the barista's name, to learn your cashier's name, to, to, you know, invite them into things. And especially when you're speaking to younger generations, those type of things are what will lead into deeper relationship, you know, inviting someone over for dinner to, I mean, I wouldn't do that to a complete stranger personally, but you know, when you have some type of established relational equity, you can invite people into your, your life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's out of that witness, you know, we pray before we eat a meal and this is why we read scripture when we do this. And this is why, uh, when you can really testify in those just normal everyday life rhythms, that is what really draws people into Jesus because that's the real Jesus life. Mm. Yeah, that's good. No, I, I think just to, to wrap up from today, I, um, I think in all the stuff that we're talking about, going back to the very beginning, what we're trying to encourage people to do is, to look at their life through the lens of I'm I'm a minister of the gospel. Mm-hmm. As I go about my daily living, God has given me this gift. He's uh, He saved me by His grace. He's broken into the darkness of my life by the light of Christ. And I'm an ambassador for that everywhere that I go. Yeah. And um, my job, you know, it's it's not my job just to give some money at church so somebody else can tell people about Jesus. Yeah. My job is to actually be an ambassador for that good news in all kinds of ways. And that can be on a, a baseball team like Tony was talking about last episode or in a grocery store or with a friend at work or with a granddaughter, you know, right. that's in my own family. Yeah. And this is going to be, it's not always... nice and tidy like I just you know go through three easy steps to receiving the gospel and Mm -hmm. they come to Jesus and then we're all good no sometimes it's messy it takes a time investment you know it takes a vulnerability on your part it takes an openness to the listening to the nudges of the spirit and actually obeying when God nudges you but these are all things that every Christian person can learn how to do if we're attentive to the opportunities that God puts before us. And overall, if you're a church leader listening, what I just want to encourage you is, even though this is not easy work, in the long term, there is far more lasting fruit to be had at mobilizing your people in this way rather than spending all of your time and energy trying to come up with schemes um, and programs that are going to get more people into your church building. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say one last thing. If nothing else, begin in a place of prayer. Yeah. That's good. You can ask the Lord if if you don't see any natural ways to evangelize, ask the Lord to make it very obvious to you who he wants you to interact with. And it's so okay to be a learner in this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like every oh, yeah. single time that we go out and do this prayer outreach, I learn something new about how to interact with people. Why? Because every person is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's so okay to just go into this with, you know what? I'm just learning. I don't know everything about the Christian life, but what I do have 
is is the gospel. This is what I can give to you. I, I can't give you anything else, but what I have, I will give away. Yeah. So. And and I think too, if you are trusting the Lord to lead you into an opportunity to share the gospel, you can trust Him. Yeah. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I have felt the nudge looked at the circumstance and the person and just thought, Oh, what is about to happen? Yeah. And then, and then it becomes something totally unexpected and beautiful. And I could not have orchestrated in a million years. And on the other end of it, I'm just like, well, Lord, I mean, you do actually know what you're doing and I don't. And just because, <laughs> I mean, listen, that's like, so real. Yes. I've had conversations with people who are just who looks so alienating, you know, tattoos head to toe and faces tattoos, one person in particular and had half shaved and clothes and just intimidating and just thinking to myself, there's no way this is the person you really want me to talk to. Yeah. And then I end up having coffee with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just having a conversation in a coffee shop. So like you just don't know. And, and God is so good and he just knows exactly what he's doing so you should trust him yeah and turns out he knows that person actually better than (laughs) yes like scripture says you know he he doesn't judge the way humans judge which is the outside he judges the The heart heart. um just a couple last little tips uh especially i'm thinking uh pastors and church leaders if you're listening to this you know a couple tools that people should be able if you're going to equip people to become everyday missionaries in their lives, a couple of tools that they should have. They should be able to articulate their testimony mm-hmm. in a, just a succinct, clear way, talk about the difference that Jesus made in their life. And uh, people should be able to articulate a basic summary of the gospel message. And I, one, I challenge churches on this a lot because I've just been around a lot of church folks who couldn't do that. And um, if people c- can't, in a couple minutes, kind of summarize who Jesus is and why he came, then that's a little, they're going to struggle when God opens a door and they're like, well, you know, now we trust that Jesus can provide what they need, that Mm -hmm. the spirit can provide what they need in that moment. But I'm saying if you're going to do like some equipping with your church, um, in addition to getting people over these fear barriers to having conversations, a couple of tools that you can equip them with is have them in groups, practice sharing their testimony, have them do that in a safe space with other church people so they can get more comfortable, have yeah. them in groups, uh, just say, you know, I have two minutes. How would you, how would you describe who Jesus is and why it matters? Have them, you know, you can have them practice that in a group with other people and that will help them feel more comfortable um, that they might be able to actually do that with someone else at some point. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I would say, um, and I said this at the end of last episode, but I just want to say it again because I see it all the time. When we do these prayer outreaches, and we've <laughs> done it a bunch, do you know who tries to avoid them often the most? It's not true every place, but a lot of places. Do you know who tries to get out of it? It's the pastor. Because they're more afraid than anybody (laughs) of doing this stuff. And I'm just saying, if you want your people to become evangelists, if you want people to live in this kind of basic, you know, other-focused sort of way in their life, becoming ambassadors for the gospel wherever they go, then you have to be willing to talk about Jesus in places that go beyond just the pulpit on Sunday morning. 
And if you don't lead the way, then don't expect the rest of your people um, to take these kind of, you know, steps also. Mm-hmm. That's been our episode for today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. And remember, Spirit and Truth is an entirely donor-funded ministry. And if you would like to help support the mission of Spirit and Truth, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life slash give, and there you'll find all the information you need. Thanks so much, and we'll come back to you in the next conversation.